and welcome to the next episode of the This and One More podcast by Simple Sessions with me, James Lee. In this episode, it's just going to be me talking about the importance of developing strength in the knee over toe position. Now, this is something that has been contentious for several years. There's been a myth circulating probably since the 50s, I think it was, when there was a research paper conducted that discovered that when we load the knees in the forward of toe position or when the knees go past the toes, the forces through the joint and the tendons, soft tissues increases significantly. Now, this study could have been interpreted in one of two ways. One, that this movement near the toe is dangerous because the forces shoot up quite significantly and therefore this is a compromising position for the knee and therefore we should try and avoid it because we don't want to get injured or you know, this excess, this excess in inverted commas force is likely to cause injury. Or alternatively, we could take a step back, look at human movement, realize that the knee moves into and out of this range freely every day whenever we walk up a hill or we land from a jump or we go up or down stairs. The knee is constantly moving in and out of this knee over toe to knee behind toe position. And actually the forces that were noted in the paper are well within our natural tolerance levels for most people so it shouldn't cause any injury actually taking the knee into this position so therefore we could have concluded from that that actually taking the knee into that position and developing strength in those end ranges where the forces are the greatest and therefore we require the most strength should be the focus unfortunately back then option one was the route that was taken i think this was a u.s study originally um, and now we're here in this position with people still suffering from a lot of knee pain the incidence of knee surgeries i believe is actually almost pretty well correlated with the areas in which this mustn't put knee over toe theory has been circling so the us and the uk have the higher end you know, knee surgery per capita versus somewhere you know like china or asia where their numbers are significantly lower and this theory hasn't been perpetuated there so there's definitely some good science that's come through and there's a lot of experience and case studies on individuals who have been recovering from injury or who have had knee pain that have been trained both by myself and plenty of other coaches who have actually sensibly progressed these people out of knee pain by training these end ranges effectively so luckily science is moving forwards and you know, this myth is slowly being removed from practice when people realize that actually you know if you're especially if you're training people who are athletes this is going to be an unavoidable position to move through and actually it's going to be important that you are really strong in these positions to reduce your injury rather than to increase your chance of it so for proof of that theory in addition to what i've just said there you can actually look at elite sports people um so we can look back at the Canadian Alpine skiers who are working with a physiotherapist called Carl Peterson, who managed to help reduce the team incidence of knee injury significantly by simply implementing a reverse step up, which is building strength in that knee over toe position. And again, skiers have a really high instance of knee injury because you know, obviously there's huge forces through the knee, the ankle strapped to the boot. So there's a lot less movement at the ankle level. So the knee and the hip tend to take a lot more load and especially with falls, crashes, etc. And we can also see this if we look at the Chinese weightlifters, for example, who are lifting phenomenal amounts of weight, 
repeatedly and the knees definitely go over the toes into a really deep knee flexion point. Injuries are minimal, strength is exceptionally high there and we can see that actually this probably is a smart thing to be doing. So to understand why developing strength in these positions is really important, it definitely helps to have an understanding of the biomechanics of the movement from you know, through the foot, through the ankle, through the knee, through the hip, and actually up the chain all the way, as well as an understanding of you know, some basic anatomy, especially when it comes to the lower body of the areas I've just mentioned. So simply by understanding that the knee itself is a hinge joint, so it moves, you know, it basically flexes and extends, opens and closes. There's very minimal rotation through the joint. There is a little bit, but, but not a huge amount. Um, we understand that basically any forces that travel through the knee at a non kind of 90 degree angle are going to put load to the tissues in a suboptimal way, shall we say. And also that any time a knee moves out of alignment from that vertical is going to be as a result of either the, the foot or ankle or joint below where there's much more mobility and movement capability and also potentially at the hip where again there's more movement capability. So those two things to understand that if the knee is, you know, let's call it moving out of line, it's almost certainly caused by either a movement issue potentially at the foot and ankle or at the hip. So downstream or upstream of the joint that we're looking at, which is the hinge joint and the knee. So it therefore follows that if we want to be able to maximize knee function, reduce knee injury and develop the best the strongest knees, we need to probably be thinking about developing strength and control from the ground up or whatever our contact point is with the floor, so the foot in this case, and then work our way up from there so that we're building a really solid foundation in the same way that you wouldn't want to build a house on sand. You know, the foundation's crap, then everything that goes above it is going to be unstable and much more, even if you know, all of the bricks are built well, if the foundation's rubbish, the house is still probably going to fall down. So this is the rationale for making sure that we start with a strong base with our contact point, which is in this case, the foot. So step one in this case is get better balance and understand where our body is in space. We can do this really simply by just performing single leg balances when we're quite comfortable there, you know, making sure that we can understand how the foot works and we can find our balance. We can then start to move through different ranges, start to get the knee involved a little bit so if we think about what actually happens when we overbalance or, or fall over, if we're balancing on the foot and the foot rolls in towards the big toe, again, knee being a hinder joint, the knee's going to follow that roll inwards. And then we're going to start to see a an angle through that knee joint. So the fourth angle is going to be inside of the center. So again, we're, we're putting forces through the knee through a suboptimal angle and again if we think about if we compare that into running and extrapolate this if we're constantly rolling in through the ankle the knee's constantly going to be exposed to forces that are going through an awkward angle for it and then it's no wonder that after you know running multiple times we're doing thousands and thousands of steps that you know tenders might get inflamed or you know soft tissues might start to become inflamed because they're just having to deal with forces that aren't really going through the joint at the right angles or the ideal angles now obviously you know, we're going to be exposed to the variety of forces because we never run on a completely flat surface but what we need the foot to be able to do is 
to compensate for that and then pull itself back out of that movement so that actually the knee can then yeah, be tracking along with how that foot moves appropriately and actually not you know, breaking down but actually be able to be resilient enough to withstand that and then we can recover and keep building forwards that way so this is why it's really important to build up gradually when we start exercising as well because you know, our tendons take a beating sometimes especially if we're new to running or we have some movement issues because we've been sitting at a desk all the time which is super common and we suddenly dive into a program of quite intense running it's no surprise that joints start to take a beating tendons start to get injured we start to see issues with the with the, with the ankles with the knees with the hips with the lower back etc so just things to think about then once we have kind of got an understanding of our our foot we can move up into the lower leg now obviously the the, the muscles of the lower leg around the calf link into that ankle mobility and, and strength aspect so we've got the three main muscles that i'm going to talk about here is the tibialis anterior which runs down the, the kind of front outside aspect of the lower leg and that's responsible for dorsiflexing the foot so pulling the the foot up towards the knee we can look at this as actually decelerating as well so when we land that foot if we're going to take a jump for example it's the muscle that's going to control that knee over toe deceleration so really important that this has strength to support the knee from that angle and then we've got the two major calf muscles at the back the soleus which is the lower down one um, and the gastrocnemius which is the larger calf muscle that we kind of can see that one the gastrocnemius crosses both the knee and the ankle so this one is quite an important muscle and that's the one that links into achilles tendon so understanding that we can then work on developing strength through those three muscles and then we can control our ankle flexion both away toes away from the knee and toes towards the knee we've got strength in both forces so if we're running again both are really important for push off as we push the toes away from the knee and also in that pull phase as we pull the toes up to make the next foot strike for example so very important muscles and often overlooked because people tend to think oh why am i just doing calf raises they seem to be a bodybuilder movement when in actual fact especially if we're looking at athletic performance as well as developing knee strength these are super important to make sure we've got a good grasp of so once we've got a understanding of how the foot works where the lower leg comes into play you know another important point actually here that's, that's probably worth mentioning is if you look at the lower limb you see a lot more tenderness tissue compared to the, the upper leg where the muscles are a lot larger but the tendons are shorter and i think people often think oh, i need to work these big muscles because that's where i get the strength when actually in, in reality we, the tendons are much stronger than muscle and this is why there's a lot more tendon in the lower leg if we look kind of tangentially off to kind of the animal kingdom and we look at the really fast runners like our cheetahs and our spring box and things like that if you take a look at their kind of their lower limbs especially there's barely any muscle visible it's all tendon and that's because the tendons can really utilize elastic potential from each step much more effectively so again making sure that those muscles attached to their tendons are strong and the tendons are well conditioned is going to be really important if we want to maximize our athletic potential that's not to say we ignore the muscles of the upper leg obviously we don't because that's a, you know, where we get a lot of power from but when it comes to things like running it's a very elastic movement we need those lower limbs again contact point with the floor that initial part of the movement needs to be 
solid so that we can actually transfer force really effectively step to step changing direction things like that everything needs to be working in sync so speaking of tendons this comes on to step three the tendons and the soft tissues of the knee itself need to be strong enough to manage the load and volume put through them so chief amongst these would be the patella tendon which you can find just below your kneecap big tendon there which is really prone to inflammation patella tendonitis is something we see quite a lot especially when we suddenly ramp up exercise intensity things like running you know, the, just below the kneecap can become quite sore just gets a little bit inflamed from having to take a lot of load there because the kneecap acts as our kind of fulcrum or pivot point for the for the muscles to pull on through the knee so those tendons need to be really well conditioned again and, and build strength through those which is something that's quite straightforward to do actually and we can build up from a really simple level and just gradually over time build that strength up now when it comes to tendons and improving their quality shall we say it's a process that takes quite a long time because they have a fairly poor blood supply to start with and also tissue regeneration of tendons is a lot lot slower than it is in muscle so we have to be patient with it we have to build up gradually but it's definitely something that you can recover from. Um, I've seen this with several clients, yeah, just by taking a sensible approach and not diving straight back into running, even though you want to, is the best thing you can do. And actually just put a bit of load through, see how it feels and gradually build from there is one of the best ways of maintaining knee health and also building through and improving knee health as well. We also have other structure the knee so we've got our ligaments which are the kind of bone to bone connection so acl pcl which are the two that we often see being ruptured if you watch the rugby over at the weekend the twisting injuries are the ones that normally get acl and pcl um so again we can build strength through there over time and gradually by applying like a smart process it's not to say you won't get injured because you know if you're playing sport injuries just do happen but we can hopefully minimize the chance of that actually happening as we design this program around you know, bulletproofing your knees essentially so overall we just need to make sure that we're moving really well through all of the joints the knee included but all the joints around that and make sure that the musculature and the soft tissues are really strong it does take time step four we're moving up to the upper legs so we've got quads hamstrings and glutes so the three big muscle and our adducts which are on the inside of the leg so four big muscle groups that are really important for both hip stability and both extending, flexing the hip, responsible for rotating internally and externally. And then they also are going to support the knee from above. So the hamstrings are a biarticular muscle, meaning they cross both the knee and the hip. And we have one quad muscle, the rectus femoris, which is in the middle of, of the quads, that crosses both the knee and the hip. So if you see someone go and kick a football or a rugby ball, that's the muscle that is responsible for that hip flexion and knee extension simultaneously it's, it's working through both the most important muscle though probably for actually knee ability shall we call it is is the vmo which is the vastus medialis which is the muscle on the inside of the knee it's got a teardrop shaped one and you'll see this especially if we go back to our skiers and to our olympic lifters this muscle is really well defined it's very hypertrophic so it's big and it's very very strong in those people because that is the one that's going to support our knees through that extension out of very a very deep bent position and this is what we want to be building strength through and that will help to protect the knee much more effectively if we have strength 
in that muscle throughout the full range of knee flexion. Obviously, we don't want to neglect the other quad muscles, but that is kind of the uh, most important one there. From a hamstring point of view, again, we want to be working this both from the knee and from the hip because both are important. Um, and we could do this very effectively with, with several exercises, again, building strength up over time just to support the whole knee and hip structures as well as the hamstrings being especially important as the glutes for extending the hips. So I'm thinking running, so anything involving sport basically and sprinting especially, really important to be have healthy, strong, mobile hamstrings and glutes. Same goes for the, the hip flexors and the adductors as well because they it, there needs to be balance there between the adductors and the, the glutes because they externally rotate and adducts internally rotate and also adduct the hip. So if it's balanced there, we can keep good knee alignment. If there's imbalance, we get some sort of um, issues sometimes arising there. So just something to bear in mind, but again, I don't wanna go into too much detail. That's something that you know, if you're going under coaching, we can discuss in more detail, but for most people, you just need to know that the muscles that are there that are important. Again, you can do all of the movements that you need to do for improving your your knees and your, your lower body strength body weight for most people unless you're looking to improve performance from a, like a running or a sports point of view if you just go for, for health long term body weight is more than sufficient you don't actually need any kit at all really i wouldn't say so step five then i know we're just we're mostly focusing on the knee but it is important that the spine and the shoulders are healthy obviously as we, as we discussed we want to strengthen the ground up because everything that happens at the bottom is going to affect everything that happens up the chain. But likewise, actually, things that happen at the top of the chain. So if we're reaching out to the side to grab a ball, for example, right at our extreme reach, if there's some deficiency there, what's going to happen is we're going to compensate somewhere else down the chain, and that's going to affect everything downstream of that position. So the body works as a system. You know, it's very a very short-sighted view to say right the knee's injured we just need to work on the knee yeah the knee might be injured but then but what actually is it that's caused that knee injury is it that the ankle's bad is it that the knee itself isn't strong is it that the hip's bad maybe you've got insufficiencies at the spine that are actually causing a hip shift which is translating down so there are lots of things to think about which is why we want to treat the body as a whole rather than breaking it down into individual parts straight away we see this kind of effect happening quite a lot because the body is so adaptable. You know, it adapts to our lifestyle. So we see it in like people who drive a lot, you know, they're sitting at a slight angle because of the pedals in the car. This has an effect. We see people who are at a desk all the time, you know, if they are using their mouse, for example, or on the phone a lot, the right hand side of their body often is, you know, especially through the neck and through the shoulder is a bit tighter than the left because they're constantly using that side. Whereas they probably aren't using the left side as much. You know, we can see it in sports people. If you look at tennis players, golfers, they all rotate one way most of the time. So there's going to be, obviously, they're going to have a stronger movement pattern in one side. And you know, that will help them be good at golf. But it's also important that we work the alternating movements just to try and keep some semblance of balance whilst obviously not impacting their sport negatively or their lifestyle and health long term. So basically, the, the key here is to build a body that works well as a whole. And then if the body works well as a whole, the components will also probably work well by definition. 
so as I said before, the body is a system, and it, in the real world, we very rarely see isolated movements, or when we do, it does tend to cause issues. So like you know, typing all day at a desk, for example, is kind of the closest to an isolated movement we probably get. You know, sitting in a car, pressing that the, the accelerator and, and the clutch and stuff like that, and we do start to see issues as a result, back pain, neck pain, you know, carpal tunnel, these sorts of things. So the body needs to work together. And, you know, the key point to all of this stuff, and most of the things that I've said throughout a lot of the podcast is actually you know, movement and strength is probably the key to longevity. And absolutely, sorry, absolutely everybody will benefit from doing some more of it in some form or other. However, back to the knees. So now I've covered off the system or the aspects that we need to consider. What are the first steps you should consider taking if you suffer from knee pain or are recovering from an injury? Firstly, if you've had an acute injury, see a specialist, get it confirmed what exactly has happened. Yeah, you might want to go and get a scan potentially or chat to a decent physio about it and then they can put in place the fundamentals to get you you know, to the point where you can you know, walk again, for example, if you need surgery or they can you know, sort you out that way. And then go and find the suitably qualified, experienced coach who can take you on to the next level of getting back to being a fully functioning human for the rest of your life or getting back to your sport. A multidisciplinary approach with these things is generally best in my experience, but make sure you have got good people around you who are going to work together and not just think their way is the best necessarily without being receptive to ideas that's my only caveat there step two keep moving as much as you can without worsening the pain with tendon injuries we need to keep moving because they don't get a lot of blood flow and actually movement is the best way of getting as much blood into the area as possible and also sometimes moving into a little bit of pain with tendons is actually okay but the key thing here is it's got to be a level that doesn't cause after like pain long lasting so i've been yeah you know, maybe maybe a one to two out of ten on the scale is, is fine and that should dissipate pretty quickly but again that's something that we have to manage very carefully at the time step three start really easy if it's knee pain or knee tendons often you know we can say reversing out of knee pain is a really good option this is the phrase i think coined by um, ben patrick who's at knees over toes guy on instagram and he's got an excellent system for working out of knees it's a lot of a lot of this information is actually diluted down from things that i learned from him so go and check him out for sure but by reversing out of knee pain i think things like walking backwards sounds really simple but it's really effective the reason we start at the walking backwards stage is because we don't have to take any impact into knee flexion so if we're in pain we can control the point at which we start so we can control how much the knee has to bend when we take loads we can take longer or shorter steps to facilitate that we can then also push out if the movement is completely concentric so we're only extending so we can push out so it's con contracting that vmo muscle at the top of the knee and the quads as we push out again it's really easy to control the tempo the pace you know, the, the, the distance, the weight we drag, all these sorts of things, so we can really start at a level that suits you. From there, once that's comfortable, and we can walk backwards for sort of five, 10 minutes without having any pain, we can then start to speed up or add load depending on our goals. We can then move into things like reverse step-ups and, and balance drills just to challenge the kind of structure of the foot and the knee a little bit more. And essentially, we just build that level up. So once we're pain-free here, we move on to more advanced movements, things like 
squats or split squats and hamstring curls etc that are going to challenge the knee in a, a greater range of movement under more load and also building again the structures surrounding that that are going to support basically full function again all of this can be done from home with with just your body weight by the way and um, i'm actually currently writing an ebook that will cover all of this so if you'd like a copy when it's released released which hopefully won't be too long um, please let me know. Drop me a DM on Instagram at James Lee PT or email info at simplesessions.co.uk and just let me know that you would like me to send you the link for that ebook. Again, you don't need any kit, you can do it from home. All you need is a step. Bottom of your stairs is perfect. But once you've progressed to this level, completely pain free, you don't really need to go any further than that if you don't want to. Just maintaining this level of strength and movement will be sufficient for. You know, your average person to keep their knees pain free for the rest of their life however if you do want to improve your athletic potential moving beyond this level and adding more layers of strength through a greater range of movement will almost certainly be beneficial especially if you're playing quite a high level sport where you want to get back into it you know having those structures working really well is going to be important for long-term injury prevention now, my aim when coaching is to enable all of my clients to progress and understand why we're doing what we do. So, you know, it's not just like, do this, it's good. Yeah, if you ask why, you'll get the answer. And hopefully this podcast has helped shed some light on that and the system that I use. It's difficult to explain all of the nuances via podcast only, as most of the time actually being able to see what I'm talking about makes things a lot easier. But if you do want to know more, as always, feel free to get in touch and let's have a chat about what you'd like to know, any questions you've got, or even how we can work together to help get you moving out of pain for good. Just, again, drop me a direct message on Instagram at jamesleept. <clears throat> Send me an email at info at simplesessions.co.uk or I'll actually leave a couple of links that you can book a quick call in um, with me in the podcast blurb as well. So. If you want to have a chat, no obligation, just just jump on and, and hopefully we can, you know, I can answer any questions you have on that front. But I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as I've said, if you've got any other questions at all, please don't hesitate to fire them across. I'll leave links below. And thanks a lot for listening to this episode. I hope you're looking forward to one more next week when we should have some more guests on. See you then. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and thanks a lot for listening. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, as I mentioned at the start, feel free to email me at info at simplesessions.co.uk or you can also reach me on Instagram at jamesleept. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate a quick review and also if you'd love to share it with your friends, that'd be excellent. The more people that can hear this and enjoy it and also hopefully get some benefit from it, the better. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode and I hope you're looking forward to one more next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. <laughs>